All right, let's take our Bibles tonight, open to the book of Micah, Micah chapter 4. Micah chapter number 4. And uh, we'll begin reading in verse number 1, Micah chapter 4. He says, But in the last days it shall come to pass that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established in the top of the mountains, and it shall be exalted above the hills, and people shall flow into it. And many nations shall come and say, Come, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, and to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For the law shall go forth of Zion, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge among many people, and rebuke strong nations afar off. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up a sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. But they shall sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree, and none shall make them afraid, for the mouth of the Lord of hosts hath spoken it. For all people will walk, every one, in the name of his God. And we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. Now, to be able to understand where we're going with this in Micah chapter 4, um, it's important that, again, words, words are important. What is the very first word of chapter 4? But, right? Which means there was something previous to that where Micah is saying, but now this is going to happen, right? Well, of course, that's dealing with chapter number 3, okay? When you come back to chapter 3, as Micah is pronouncing this judgment in chapter 2 and chapter 3, um, and just how God is going to bring this judgment upon them, um, and because of how uh, the spiritual leaders, uh, the religious leaders have failed, uh, they have led, notice it says um, that they have led my people astray. Uh, he speaks about that. Uh, he speaks about how they have not taught them the word of God. He speaks about how even the, uh, we would say, like the political leaders um, have really just gone astray. In fact, he says in verse number two, who hate the good and love the evil, right? So when you think about what we're going to be looking at in chapter four, we have to remember what Micah has just said in chapter three, because he's going to be contrasting what the current political and religious system is during Israel's time with something else, okay? So, so again, when we're looking at this, understand what Mike is doing. In chapter 3, he's talking about the current political and the current religious system, not of our day, but of Micah's day, okay? Now, there's a lot of similarities between Micah's day and our day, okay? But he's talking about Micah's day, and then, again, I think about this, he says, but, in chapter 4, but in the last days, right? So he's comparing what's taking place now, Micah's talking about what's taking place now, and then he says, but in the last days, okay? So Micah understands what is taking place now, but he says there's something that's going to take place in the future, right? In the last days, okay? And when we go through chapter 3, we find that Micah has painted a very bleak picture for these two little Jewish kingdoms of Israel and of Judah, right? Um, I mean, it looks, it looks pretty hopeless. Um, judgment is going to come. The Assyrian army is, is about to destroy Israel and basically put an end to that nation, 
Um, and then Assyria would then come again and, uh, and wreak havoc upon Judah. Uh, and then later Babylon would come and take uh, Judah into captivity. Um, and so it's, it's very bleak in chapter 2 and chapter 3 of what's, what's taking place here. Okay? Uh, there's, there's really, in chapter 2 and 3, there's really nothing good happening in Micah's day. Right? Now again, we understand as we saw in chapter, uh, chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, that there were some who were being faithful, like Micah, um, Isaiah, Amos, Joel, many of these prophets. There were some that were being faithful. But when you think about the Israel as a whole, as a nation, nothing good was happening. Nothing good. It was, it's all evil. Okay, It's all wicked. That's why he says in verse number 2 of chapter 3, who hate the good and love the evil. Right. I mean, it's it's not good. Um, uh, in, in verse number five, he says, uh, thus saith the Lord concerning the prophets that make my people err. So here you have the the religious leaders, the prophets. And instead of teaching the truth of the word of God, they're they're just teaching whatever people want to hear. Right. They're causing people to turn away from God instead of turning to God. And then notice when we come down to verse number 12. Right. Um, well, go back up. Go back to verse number ten. He says they build up Zion with blood and Jerusalem with iniquity. Right? They build up Zion with blood and Jerusalem with iniquity. In verse uh, number eleven, the heads thereof judge for reward, and the priests thereof teach for hire. And the prophets thereof divine for money. So everything's about money. Everything's about them. Okay? The prophets, the priests, the the leaders. It's all about what am I going to get out of it? Okay? No, there's nothing godly about it at all. It's all selfish, okay? Um, but yet they try to say that God must still be among them, right? Because of who they are, right? Is not the Lord among us? None evil can come upon us. But watch what he says in verse 12. Therefore shall Zion for your sake be plowed as a field. In other words, it's going to be destroyed, right? And Jerusalem shall become heaps and the mountain of the house as the high places of the forest, okay? So again, get, get the picture of chapter 3 of what he's saying uh, of the, 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 the political leaders, the religious leaders, Jerusalem, Zion, Mount Zion, where the temple is supposed to be. All of this he's saying it's all going to be destroyed. Okay? But then he comes to verse chapter 4. But in the last days, right? Again, we saw, I think we saw on Sunday how important it is to look at words and those two words that we looked at Sunday morning, but God, right? This is how we were lost, dead in trespasses and sins, the enemies of God, but God who is rich in mercy, right? And he's saying the same thing basically here. Mike is saying, look, it's very bleak. It looks very hopeless. Uh, nothing good is happening in our day today. Uh, Israel's going to be destroyed. Judah's going to be destroyed. But, but, right? Don't, don't just completely give up all hope, right? Um, so what, what do you do? And I think this is really interesting what Micah does. What do you do when everything around you looks dark and bleak and hopeless? You ever been in a situation like that where just everything around you seems to be just hopeless? You know, everything around just seems to be bleak and dark. Maybe it was, maybe you, you got a, uh, uh, a medical diagnosis that you weren't expecting, or maybe something happened in a family, or maybe there's a financial problem or something, and, and man, it just seems like the weight of the world is coming upon you, and man, everything just seems dark, and everything just seems hopeless, and we just don't see any way out, and we're just wondering what's going to happen. This is what was happening. 
This is what was happening in Israel. And Micah says, but, right? So what is he saying? Instead of looking at the circumstances around you, maybe we ought to look up. Look up. Instead of looking at what's going on around us, look up. And this is what Micah does. He encourages them to look forward to what God had promised. Hey, yes, I understand he says it's dark and it's bleak and it's hopeless and, and there doesn't seem to be like nothing's going right. But he says, but don't forget the promise of God. Don't forget what God has promised us, right? Um, again, back in, in, in chapter 3, verse number 12, Micah says that Zion would be plowed as a field. Jerusalem would become heaps, right? But in the last days, what's he talking about here? The, the, the last days, the, the house of the Lord, he says, will be established in the top of the mountains and it shall be exalted above the hills and people shall flow into it. It's just amazing what he's talking about here. He's saying the house of the Lord is going to be established in the top of the mountains, exalted above the hills, right? Again, what do we just read about Zion, right? Uh, in, in, in verse number 12 of chapter 3, for your, Zion, for your sake, shall be plowed as a field, and Jerusalem shall become heaps, and the mountain of the house as the high places of the forest. He says, what's going to happen now is just destruction and desolation. But one day, guess what's going to happen? The Lord is going to come, and he's going to set up his kingdom here. Micah's telling them to look up, right? It's the kingdom of Christ that is going to be established here on this earth. He says, in the last days, it shall come to pass. The mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established in the top of the mountains. Now, what's really fascinating, hold your place here in Micah, and I want you to turn back to the book of Isaiah. And tell me if what Isaiah says sounds eerily similar to what we just read in the book of Micah. Right? Here we go. Isaiah chapter 2. Verse number one, the word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow unto it. And many people shall go and say, come ye and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. And he will teach us of his ways and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come ye and let us walk in the light of the Lord. Sound a little familiar? I mean, that's, that's, that's almost, it's not verbatim, but it's so similar to what we just read in Micah, right? And again, Isaiah is talking about the last days, okay? It shall come to pass in the last days that this is happening, okay? This is exactly what Micah is speaking about here, okay? Um, and, and when you think about it, both Micah and Isaiah use, and again, God, we understand that God is the author of the word of God. Right? We understand that? That's why we call it the word of God, right? This isn't the word of Micah. It's not the word of uh, Isaiah or the word of Paul or the word of Peter or the word of David or the word of... It's the word of God. Now, we understand God used men to physically write the words down, but they're God's words, right? So it, it really shouldn't surprise us when we see 
very similar things, right? For some reason, we just get, wow, it's amazing. Micah was writing the same thing as Isaiah, and man, it's amazing. Uh, you know, Peter talks about some of the same things that Joel talked about. Well, the author is God. God's the author, right? So it, it shouldn't amaze us when it, when, it, when it happens, but it really is amazing when it does, right? I mean, it's, it's just fascinating when you just kind of see how the whole picture begins to fit together, right? You know, I've said this before, I'm not a puzzle person, right? I mean, my, my kids can do the puzzles. You know, I, I think it was at Christmas time, whatever. It's like, I'm going to do a puzzle with my kids, you know? And uh, so we got the puzzle out and I started it. I was the one that I was like, I'm going to do this, you know? And uh, of course I did the easiest job first, right? You pick out all the side pieces, right? <laughs> because you know, they have to go on the side somewhere, right? And I, I was able to get some of the side pieces figured out. And, and then some of the kids started coming in and helping me. And, uh, and you can ask him, I'm sitting there. And all the pieces are over here. And, and here's the frame over here. I'm like. No, that doesn't go there. I hate puzzles. Those kind of puzzles, right? I can't, I, it just, it doesn't click with me, right? But, but man, as they start putting the puzzle together, I'm like, wow, that's really cool. And then I want to find a piece, right? I want to be able to find a piece to put in. And I'm so proud of myself when I do, right? I'm like, I helped put it together. You know, I got one piece, but I helped put it together, right? And so when you, when you find the piece that, that fits, it's like, it's just, it's exciting, right? So think about this, right? Both Isaiah and Micah say that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established in the top of the mountains. It's so interesting that Micah says this because go with me back to the book of Daniel. In the book of Daniel. In Daniel chapter two, of course, now this is this is now after Micah, right? This is after the prophets that preached before the captivity because now Israel is in captivity, right? Daniel, uh, Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael have all been taken captives. What we know, the Daniel and the three Hebrews, right? They've been taken captive. They've been taken to Babylon. Why'd they get taken to Babylon? Because Babylon defeated them right? And they took them captive to Babylon. So this is, this is now after Micah. Micah has prophesied that judgment is going to come, right? Well, judgment has come and Daniel's on the other side of it. Daniel's in captivity in Babylon. Okay. So watch this. Okay. You ready for this? So in, in, um, you know, in Babylon and, uh, you've got Nebuchadnezzar here. He has this really, uh, he has this really strange, uh, this vision. Um, and, uh, he, he talks about these, um, uh, this, this image that has the, uh, the head and the, the head of gold, and then the, the, the arms and the chest of silver, and then, uh, the, the thigh of brass, and then, uh, the feet or the, the legs of, uh, of iron, and, and then the feet of mixed with iron and clay, right? You remember this vision that Nebuchadnezzar has? And he's like, hey, I want to understand what the vision is. And, and the magicians and the astrologers are like, we don't understand what it is. 
And so they said, hey, maybe, maybe Daniel can help. And so Daniel comes onto the scene, right? Um, and he says in verse number 31, Thou, O king, sawest a great, uh, behold, a great image. This great image whose brightness was excellent stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. This image heads was of fine gold, right? So he talks about this image, okay? But notice in verse number 35, then, or let's, let's start at verse 34, right? Thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay and break them to pieces, right? And so he, he's talking about this image. And again, if you, if you understand prophets, you understand that this image is referring to the different kingdoms. The gold is the Babylonian kingdom. The silver is, is the um, Medio persian empire. Uh, the brass is the, the Greek empire. Uh, the, the two iron legs is referring to the Roman empire. And then the feet with iron mixed with clay is referring to the, the, uh, the coming empire kingdom of the antichrist is going to come right and then of course you've got this great image here but this stone that comes from this notice what it says here thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands right in other words no man had anything to do with this stone okay which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay and break them to pieces so this stone breaks and destroys the, the, the iron and the feet, which is that last empire, the, the Antichrist and his kingdom, right? And many times that's where we stop. We're like, man, that's great. You know, of course, we understand thinking prophecy that the stone is a picture of who? Jesus Christ, right? And Jesus Christ is going to come and he's going to defeat the Antichrist and, and, and everything's going to be okay. Well, what does the verse 35 say? Watch this. Then was the iron and the clay, the brass, the silver, the gold broken to pieces together and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floor. And the wind carried them away that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became what? A great mountain and filled the whole earth. Wait a minute. Hold on. What did Micah say in the last days? The mountain of the Lord of hosts. What, what did, we, what did, uh, what did um, uh, Daniel, what's he's talking about here? This, this vision that he has, this stone, it becomes a great mountain and filled the whole earth. What, what is he talking about? Again, when we understand prophecy, we understand, of course, the, the um, yeah, I'm, trying to, I'm, I'm getting it all mixed up in my head because I'm trying to give it to you. Uh, clearly, the, but the, the, the kingdom of the Antichrist during the tribulation reign, we know at the end of that, Jesus Christ is going to come and he's going to, he's that stone and he's going to destroy the Antichrist and his kingdom. But then what does the stone, what happens to the stone? It becomes a great mountain. What, what is this referring to? Again, think with me about what Micah is saying here, right? Go back to Micah. Again, Isaiah said this, Daniel has said this, Micah saying it that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established in the top of the mountains. He's saying, look, what's going to happen here is referring to the, um, the, the kingdom of Jesus Christ. This kingdom that, that Christ, uh, that is a fulfillment of the Davidic prophecy, the Davidic covenant that God made with David, the Abrahamic covenant, right? This kingdom that is going to come. 
This is, this is what he's talking about. This is what Daniel's referring to, the stone becoming a great mountain. It's talking about the kingdom that Christ is going to establish. Micah refers to this. Isaiah refers to this, right? This great kingdom, the kingdom of Christ, right? Again, remember, there, there, are, there are two kingdoms that, that the Bible speaks about. There's the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Christ. They are not the same kingdom, right? The kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom. The kingdom of God is all of those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's the kingdom of God. It doesn't matter what part of the world you're in, if you're American or Chinese or African or uh, South, South American, whatever it is, right? Whoever has accepted Christ their Savior is part of that kingdom of God. It's a spiritual kingdom. That's why Jesus said, the kingdom of God is within you. It's not a physical kingdom that you can see, Right? But the kingdom of Christ, and again, think about this. When, when John the Baptist be, came on the scene and he started preaching, what, did he start, what was he preaching? Repent. For what? For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. What was he saying? Hey, this, this, this stone, right? This mountain. Hey, that, he's here. It's Jesus Christ. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And what did Jesus do as he began his earthly ministry? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And what is Jesus doing? He's offering this kingdom to the Jews. Not not to everybody, to the Jews. That's why he said, go first to the Jews. Not Not to the Gentiles, to the Jews. Because the kingdom is for the Jews. Now, we get to have a part in it as well, but it's specifically for the Jews. Right? That's that, that kingdom that God promised to David, that he would always have someone sitting upon the throne. Okay? And so he offers this kingdom, but what happens? Israel as a whole, as a nation, does what? Rejects him. Now, were there some that believed? Yes, of course. Peter believed. James and John believed. Many, there were some that believed, but as a whole, the nation rejected the kingdom. Why? Because they were looking, uh, again, they were looking for their Messiah, their leader to come in power and, and to defeat them from the Roman conquerors and things. But Jesus came first to bring spiritual deliverance. But they rejected it. No, we don't want to have anything to do with you. So what does he do? God sets Israel to the side, and now he begins to work through the church, the Gentiles, right? It's us. Gentiles, we're, the, we're part of the church if we're saved, okay? And so even though Micah does not see the, and I know my dad kind of, uh, when he went through the, the book of Joel, he kind of showed you how the, the prophets many times could just see the, the, the peaks of the mountains they were prophesying, but they couldn't see in the valleys, right? There's a lot of things that happened in the valleys that they couldn't see. Micah's prophesying about the last days, but he doesn't see the, the church age. He doesn't see these things, but he says, look, there's coming the, in the last days, the mountain of the Lord, the house of the Lord, the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established in the tops of the mountains. And so, of course, we know the next thing is going to be the, the tribulation period, right? Again, we know that Jesus Christ is going to return, not to the earth, but in the clouds, rapture the church out, right? The church, the believers are going to be raptured out. We're, we're in heaven with the Lord. But then for those seven years, you have the tribulation taking place. But then after those seven years, Jesus Christ comes 
and he comes physically to the earth. And this is why th- this, is, this is really so fascinating here because the mountain that Daniel is speaking about is Christ's kingdom. Zechariah chapter 14, verse number four. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east and on the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west. There shall be a very great valley and half of the mountain shall remove toward the north and half of it toward the south. So he says, Jesus Christ is gonna come to Jerusalem And he's going to set his feet. He's going to stand literally. He's going to stand on the Mount of Olives, right? Well, that doesn't happen at the rapture, right? At the rapture, he just comes in the air and he catches us up and we're taken out. But here he sets his feet on the mountain, right? And on the Mount of Olives. And of course, we know the millennial kingdom of Christ is going to be centered around what city? Jerusalem right? Watch. Okay. Again, think with me. What did he just say in verse number 12 of chapter three? Therefore shall Zion for your sake be plowed as a field and Jerusalem shall become heaps, right? So he says, because of your sin and all of this, God's judgment, Zion's going to be destroyed. The house of God is going to be destroyed. Uh, Jerusalem is going to be destroyed. Babylon, Assyria, Babylon, they make it happen. But what's going to happen when Christ comes, he's going to come back to Jerusalem and he's going to set up the kingdom there. Okay. Um, Jerusalem becomes, uh, which of course, uh, again, Jerusalem is located upon a hill or a mountain, which is why no matter where you are in Israel, they say, let us go up to the house of the Lord. Let us go up to Jerusalem. Let us go up to the holy city. Why? Because it's, it's up. It's on a hill. It's on, it's on a mountain, right? And so Micah says that it will be exalted above the hills. Jerusalem will become the capital of the earth at this time, right? It's amazing. Psalm 68, verse 16. Why leap ye, ye high hills? This is the hill which God desireth to dwell in. Yea, the Lord will dwell in it forever. What hill is he talking about? Jerusalem. He's talking about the, the, the city that, that, that is set on a hill, Jerusalem. And he's, he's there and he's going to reign forever there on the earth. Right? And so he's, Micah's saying, hey, listen, there's a comparison here. This is what happened. This is what's happening in our day. But in the last day, Micah says, something great's going to happen. Yeah, it's, it's hopeless and it's dark and it's bleak and, it's, and it's, it's horrible right now. But don't look about what's going on here. Look up. Look, look to what's going to happen. Look to the future. Look to what's going to take place, right? He says, the house of the Lord shall be established in the top of the mountain. It shall be exalted above the hills. And now watch this. This is just amazing. And people shall flow unto it. Can I tell you something? That is not happening today. It's not happening today. Yeah, Jerusalem is there. The city is there. Uh, Jesus isn't yet. Jesus hasn't come back yet. He hasn't set up his kingdom yet. But he says, and people shall flow unto it. I think we would all agree and say that at this time, the world is not flowing to Jerusalem to see the king. They're not flowing to Jerusalem. Now, there's a lot of tourists that go to Jerusalem, but they're not going to see the king. There is no king in Jerusalem right now. Not the king. But he says, people will flow unto it. Think about what Micah says. Think about this. And many nations shall come and say, come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and to the house of the God of Jacob. And he, 
Who is he? Who is he? Come on, who is he? Jesus, right? And he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For the law shall go forth of Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Think about, you understand what Micah is saying here? He said, hey, I know, man. Look, what are the prophets doing? Are the prophets teaching you to draw near to God? Nope. The prophets, he says, they are, they're, they're causing my people to err. They're teaching them false doctrine, right? That all that they're, all that they're concerned about is themselves. They're, they're all in it for money, right? That he talks about that. We, we saw that just a second ago, right? The, the, the priests, therefore, teach for hire. The judges for reward. The priests uh, for hire. And the prophets divine for money. It's all about what I'm going to get out of it. But when Jesus comes and Jesus sets up his kingdom, he says, I'm going to teach you my ways. Imagine people flowing, flowing to Jerusalem. And can I say, this is not just Jews, although there will be many Jews flowing. to, But the world, it's the world. They're flowing to Jerusalem. They're wanting to hear Jesus. They're flowing. They're coming from all over. Look, many nations shall come. They're going to come. And what are, they, what are they coming for? Are they coming just to see sights? Are, are they coming to you know, uh, see miracles? No, 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 no. Let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. They're coming to Jerusalem. Because Jesus is there. They're coming to Jerusalem. And again, we're talking, this is, this is the millennial reign of Christ. We understand Jesus has, has already defeated the Antichrist. He's already defeated the armies of the Antichrist. Satan is bound for a thousand years during this time, right? And so Jesus is here on the earth. He has set up his kingdom in Jerusalem. And people are coming from all over the world to see him. Nations come. Let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. Why? So he can teach us. We want to learn his ways. Teach us, Lord. Teach us of his ways so that we can walk in his paths. Again, I don't think the nations are clamoring to go to Jerusalem and listen to the word of the, of the Lord. They're not, I mean, they're not just going there and saying, hey, we want to, we want to learn of God. Hey, we, we, we're coming here because we want to learn of Jesus. No, no, no. Uh, that is not happening today. But again, think about what he's saying. What has changed? Remember what we saw back in chapter 3? Who hate the good and love the evil? What's happening? It's now changed. They're loving the good and hating the evil. Again, this, this whole picture of what he's showing in chapter 4 is, is in correlation to what we've just seen in chapter 3. This is how dark it is now. This is how bleak it is. This is how hopeless it is. But there is coming a day when everything is going to change. There's coming a day when it's, it's going to be all different. We're actually going to have a king who cares about us. The kings of, of Israel and Judah, they didn't care about the people. All they cared about was themselves. We're going to have a king that actually cares about us. 
Hey, the judges that, that, that are, are basically ripping us off and taking bribes and things like this, uh, we're going to have a judge. Watch what it says here. And in verse number three, and he shall judge among many people and rebuke strong nations afar off. Hey, he's going to be the righteous judge. They're, they're not going to have to worry about, well, you know, uh, you know, I think he's trying to rip me off here. You know, I think he's taking a bribe. Oh, no, my friend. He is the righteous judge. And he says he is going to judge the nations and the people of the nations, right? Uh, and again, again, think about what he says. For the law shall go forth of Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Back in chapter 3, verse 12, Jerusalem and Zion were heaps and, and plow fields. But he says, now from Zion and Jerusalem is coming the law of God. Now there's coming the word of the Lord. And what's this going to happen? What's going to happen because of this? He says in verse three, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Just the opposite of what we found in Joel. Joel, they're taking their uh, spear or they're taking their pruning hooks and beating them into spears. They're taking their plows and beating them into swords. Why? Because war is coming. You know what he says in the millennium? No, not going to be any war. Why? Because Jesus is ruling and reigning. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. There's not going to be any war. There's no war because Jesus Christ is going to judge here. Hold your place in Micah. Look in Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. Verse number 27 says, And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. As the vessels of potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my father. He says, Jesus Christ is going to rule with a rod of iron. Go to chapter 12. Chapter 12. Verse number 5. And she brought forth a man child. Of course, that's referring to Israel, right? The woman that we've just seen previous. She brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. Hey, he's talking about, this prophecy is about Jesus Christ. He's going to rule all nations with a rod of iron. That, that, that justice, he's going to be right and true and just in everything that he does. Can I tell you, the world has never seen anything like that before. I don't care what country you go to. I don't care what president you like or what king you like, whatever. The world has never seen a king like Jesus. Never seen one like Jesus. Because everything he says and does will be right. Hey, look, Solomon was a wise king, no doubt about it. But he, can't ha he doesn't have anything compared to Jesus. David was a great king. Nothing compared to Jesus. You say, well, man, well, I know some great leaders. Nothing compared to Jesus. What, what is the world calling for today? Peace, peace, right? Even Micah says that's what the false prophets were saying in his day. Oh, there's going to be peace. There's going to be peace. Don't worry about judgment. No, there's, all, there's just going to be peace. Like I said, there's not going to be peace. Not now. There's not going to be peace. We're, we're, we're going to be judged. But there is coming a day when there is going to be peace. There's coming a day when Jesus Christ is going to rule and reign on this earth with a rod of iron, and there's going to be peace. They'll be able to beat the plowshares and the pruning hooks uh, from the swords and from their spears. Nation shall not lift up a sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. That's pretty clear. 
not going to lift up a sword against another, another nation. They're not going to learn war. Why? What are they learning? The law of God. They're learning the law of God, the word of God. This is what he says. And the word of God shall come forth from Zion and from Jerusalem. He's going to teach them of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. We were talking about it in our, in our Sunday, adult Sunday school class, about how Jesus talks about the, the two commandments, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and then love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets, right? If, if people would just follow those two commandments, you wouldn't have to have 500 million other commandments. You don't have to have a commandment that says, thou shalt not steal, because you're not going to steal. You don't have to have a commandment that says not to lie because you're not going to lie. Uh, you're not going to have to have a commandment that says don't commit adultery and don't murder, don't do all these things because you're not going to do that. Why? Because our love for God is right, and because our love for God is right, our love for others is going to be right. What's he teaching? His ways. He's teaching his ways to love God first, right? And to walk in his ways and walk in his paths. There's going to be no war. Verse number four. But they shall sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree. None shall make them afraid, for the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken it. You know what he's saying? No fear. There's going to be no fear, right? He says, they'll sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree. None shall make them afraid. No fear. Does Israel have peace? Does Israel have peace? Of course not. Do you think those that live in Israel live without fear? No, they do not. That's why they have the Iron Dome. That's why they have all the, the, uh, the technology to be able to warn of rocket raids and, and all this type of thing. What, what is that for? Well, because there's war. Because there's no peace. But he says, one day, they'll sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree. You know, what, you know what's that showing? Peace. I'm not worried. There's peace here. None shall make them afraid. One day God says Israel is going to live in peace and they will not fear. Yes, that is not today. But this is what every Jewish person wants today, peace and safety. They want peace and safety. They're looking for peace and safety. <coughs> That's why so many times they're the ones willing to, to give up. They're the ones willing to make the deals and things because they're trying to have peace and safety. But God says, look, you're never going to have it until the kingdom. Until the kingdom. For all people, verse 5, will walk everyone in the name of his God, and we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. Micah says, look, other nations and even Israel during this time was walking after other gods, walking after Ashtaroth, walking after Baal, walking after Molech, sacrificing their own children to these false gods. But he says, one day, one day, we, the people of Israel, we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. One day it's going to happen. 
One day it's going to take place. And, and again, as we continue through here, he's, again, he's comparing this. Again, we're not walking just in what we want. Remember when we saw back in chapter 3, what people were wanting was just tell me what I want to hear. Tell me what makes me feel good, right? Tell, make me happy, right? Don't tell me how bad I am. Don't tell me what a sinner I am. Don't tell me of sin. Just tell me I'm good. Tell me I'm okay. That's, that's what we want to hear, right? That's not what we need to hear, though. That's why God tells us. He says, look, we're, we're all sinners. There's none righteous, no, not one. We don't like to hear that. But he says, one day, all people will walk, everyone in the name of his God, and we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. It's going to be different. And that day, they're walking after other gods. But he says, one day, they're going to walk in the name of the Lord. One day, they're going to recognize. Look, today... It's very obvious that today the word of God is not coming out of Israel. Because Israel, again, as a nation, there are some that do, but as a nation, Israel does not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. They don't believe it. They're still looking for the Messiah to come. They're still waiting for his first coming. The problem is they rejected him. They didn't accept him as their Messiah. They missed the kingdom the first time right? They're not going to miss it the second time. They're not going to miss it. Nobody's going to miss it the second time because he is coming with power. He is coming to bring judgment upon the earth and he's going to set up his kingdom here on the earth in Jerusalem and rule and reign. And he says that that we will walk. We will walk in the name of the Lord, our God. He said, look, one day it's going to be great. The problem is that day's not today. It's dark. It's bleak. It's hopeless. People are saying good things of evil and evil things of good. Look, that's, that's the day and age in which we live today. So what do we do? It's like Micah said, look up. Don't forget what God's promised. Look, We're not looking for the second coming of Christ to the earth to set up his kingdom. No, no, that's not what we're looking for. We're looking for him to come in the clouds and take us out of here. That's what we're looking for. Well, see, how do you know that's going to happen? Because he said it would. He said it was going to happen. He told told us, I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there ye may be also. He talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and 5 about, hey, Jesus Christ, he's going to come and he's going to catch us up. He's gonna, we're going to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Man, what a glorious day that's going to be. That's something we have to look forward to. You say, but man, it's just so dark and the world just seems so hopeless and, and our country seems lost and everything's just going downhill. Yeah, we live in the world. We live in the world. So don't look at the world. Look up. Look to the promises that God's given to us. Hey, live for him now. Be that light in a dark, dismal, dingy world that can point people to Jesus Christ. Hey, you think it was easy for Micah to stand and preach what he was preaching? Think it was easy for Amos and for Isaiah and for Joel? Of course not wasn't easy for them. 
I will say this, they probably had it a lot harder than we do. But they still stood. Micah said, hey, yes, I know it's bad, but (laughs) in the last days it shall come to pass that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established in the top of the mountains and it shall be exalted above the hills and people shall flow unto it. You know what's great? You know what's going to be really awesome? One day, if you're saved, you're going to see that fulfilled. Isn't that amazing? One day, if you're saved, if you're not saved, hey, we'd love to take the word of God and show you how to be saved. But one day, because we're saved, we're going to be able to see that. We're going to be able to see the world coming to want to hear Jesus. We're going to be able to get to see that. Oh, we're not Jews. Yeah, we're not. The the kingdom's not for us, right? The kingdom is for Israel, right? Hey, we just we just get to be along for the ride. That we're there with Jesus. Right? Yeah, we're going to be part of the kingdom. We get to rule and reign with him there. But it, hey, it's, we're already his. And we just get to watch and see and listen to what he says and watch as the world comes to hear him, to hear the word of the Lord, the word of God, to learn of him, to walk in his ways. We're privileged. Privileged. Don't ever forget that. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Yes, we're going to have dark days. But you know what? Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. And we get to be with him for all of eternity. If you know him as your Savior, all of eternity. You can't ask for anything more than that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, I know during Micah's day it was dark and hopeless. But yet, you encouraged him and you encouraged Israel to look up. To look to that day that you would come and set up your kingdom. Lord, we thank you that if we're saved tonight, we're part of the kingdom of God that spiritual kingdom, to be able to be called the children of God, to know Him as our Father. Lord, You've blessed us tremendously. And I pray You'd help us, Lord, to be the light that we ought to be in this world. As dark as it is and as wicked as it is, that we would be a light and a testimony for good and truth and righteousness that we might help to point people to Jesus Christ. Lord, if we get down and discouraged with things that are going on, may we just look up to you. Know that you're still in control. Know that one day you're going to come and you're going to take us out. Lord, until that day, we, we have a job to do, and that's to serve you. Father, would you help us? wonder tonight with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, no one looking about,